honoring Him and giving Him the respect. And as we do that on a regular basis, we practice it. You can't even ride a two-wheeled bicycle without practice. There comes a time whenever you're a little kid and you practice till you get your balance. And, and then it's, you know, it's pretty well, you can do it anytime you get ready. But you're not as comfortable. I've watched some of these young guys on their skateboards and to do some of the things they do on bicycles and skateboards. It takes practice. We're getting ready for the Olympics in Beijing, China. The athletes that have taken themselves to the outer limits of their physical bodies. They didn't get there just by showing up and deciding they're going to do it one day. These guys and ladies have worked long, long hours and much, much sacrifice to get their body tuned to where they know that body like a fine-tuned instrument. We cannot come to God with a lackadaisical attitude. With a flippant attitude. The Bible says in Psalm 51 verse 10, 11 and 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. I love David's attitude because this is a man who knew God. He knew what it was to draw on the power of God. He knew what it was to be in the presence of God and God began to download to him the words of these Psalms. That wasn't someone that God would just entrust to anyone. God knew he could trust David. And when David began to get in a place to where that intimacy with God. You see, David didn't live in the presence of God like we do. The Holy Spirit didn't dwell in man back then like he does today. The Holy Spirit would come and he would fall upon a prophet or upon a person. And that person would speak what the Lord said or what he was hearing from the Lord. And then the power of God would lift. And God had done it so many times in David's life. He knew the difference. And so one day when that presence of God was not what it had been. David knew something wasn't right. In our vehicles we know whenever it's not performing exactly right. Don't know, maybe not know what it is. But you know when it's not doing what it's supposed to do. An air conditioning system in our house. We may not know how to fix it, but we know when it's not performing the way it ought to perform. And in that moment, David began to cry out, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. God, something's not right. I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, fix it. <laughs> Psalm 
And then he makes a statement, cast me not away from thy presence. (laughs) Whatever I've done, don't let it be such that, Lord, you won't let me back in your presence. What if we thought like that? Not lived in fear, but in a reverential fear. God, I don't want to do anything. We can fuss and we can fight about differences of denominational uh, doctrine. Some act like they could never lose it. And others are afraid they will lose it. But if we have a reverential fear of God. Then I approach the Lord like this. Lord, I don't want to do anything to hurt you. Lord, I don't want to do anything that would cause the anointing of God to lift off my life. Changes the way we live. Changes the way we approach God. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. (laughs) Restore. Bring back. Replenish. Replenish the joy. Restore the joy of my salvation. When pain, physical pain begins to come to the body, the joy leaves. All of a sudden our mind goes to how bad it feels, not how good we feel. Other things begin to happen in our life and the joy begins to disappear. We begin to focus on the natural. And guess what? The anointing lifts. That's why we have to practice. How many of you know that those Olympic athletes have worked through much pain? Not every day they feel like getting up and going through the rigors of training. But they work through the pain. Because you know what? Working through the pain takes you to the next level. For runners, they get to a certain point and they hit a wall. But if they stay with it, they go past that wall and they call it the second wind. Huh. For those of us that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose, we've all hit the wall. But there is the second wind. Just on the other side of that wall is the second wind. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. Shura Bakasata. In that same passage, he says, O Lord, open thou mine lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. 
something about praising in the midst of pain. Something about praising in the midst of when you don't want to. Just going past that wall. Because you know what's on the other side of the wall? There's the victory of the breakthrough. Because usually at the wall, listen to me, it's the turning point. What did he say first? He said, created me a clean heart, O God. What's happened? The heart's got hard. And it can be all kinds of stuff. It can be a relationship that went wrong. It can be a, the loss of a job. It can be the loss of a loved one. It can be something you don't feel like is fair. And it causes walls to go up. But when you get past the wall, something about that that wall, that when the wall comes down, the heart changes. God brings about a heart change. And as you break through, the song comes forth. Something about lifting up our voice that's, that helps break down the wall. I can't explain it. But as I do that which I didn't feel like doing, and I go past that wall. And I begin to lift my voice. God kicks in. The second wind. The wind of the Holy Ghost carries us. Something about the clean hands and the pure heart. Talking about that place of joy and gladness. He brings about a heart change. A couple of other scriptures. Psalm 24, 4. Clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity nor sworn deceitfully. Something about clean hands and a pure heart. God begins to change what you speak. Ezekiel 36, 26. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. I will put my spirit within you, the Lord says, and cause you to walk in my statutes. And ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Something about a clean heart. You don't have to think about whether you're going to do the right thing or not. Something about athletes when they've practiced long enough. Listen, when you get in the heat of the battle, you don't have to figure out and think about what you're going to do in the middle of the play. Instinct kicks in. It's kind of like Abraham we talked about yesterday morning. When God said, I want your son, he didn't even think about it. He said, that's fine, Lord, I'll just go build another altar. Because I know you're going to show up. Because if you haven't set the pattern, and you have not allowed God to just 
you just don't flow out of instinct, that Holy Ghost instinct. You get in the middle of the, of the battle, you're going to begin to think with your mind, and you're going to try and analyze and figure it all out. And, hey, I'm just going to tell you, some things are better left just flowing with God. Don't even think about it. Some of the places we've had to go, what it's cost. I was in Egypt, Cairo, Egypt, with Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. And I set foot on the ground. And the first thing that happened was a man with an AK-47 stepped in front of me and said, come with me. I'm thinking, okay. And they led me to a room where Pastor Rodney and all of And they ushered us out a separate place. Took care of all of our visas. In the natural, I thought I was headed to my death. But actually, they were carrying us to a place so that we could easily get into the country and then they carried us from place to place in the middle of the night we had an escort through that whole nation sometimes in the natural you go Ooh. if I'd have thought about what I was going to see when I got there I might not have ever gone but when your hands are clean and your heart is pure you don't have to worry. I've positioned myself for the blessing of God. For His protection. And you talk about fun. You talk about joy. God prepares the heart. And then He sends the joy. When I first started traveling with Pastor Rodney Howard Brown. He came to our church for six weeks. Did six weeks of meetings, morning and night, six weeks. The first three weeks, all I did was cry. No joy. I cried. <laughs> but then the joy came. Why? Clean my heart. He always brings you, listen to me again. Clean hands and a pure heart brings you to that wall because on the other side is the second wind, the wind of the Spirit. The Lord will always bring you to a place of breakthrough. Never just to the wall of always, <laughs> but to the ha, ha, ha. Some of you need to get to the ha, ha. <laughs> Come on, I'm helping you today. The second part of this message. It's a place of joy and gladness. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands. Pastor Lau, Thailand's going to laugh. In the fullness of God. Get ready. That nation is going to laugh. They're going to receive the fullness of the joy of the Lord. Because of people like this. John Paul. A lot of ministries and people that carry the gospel there. They're going to laugh. They're going to come to a place of breakthrough in the Lord. I'm excited about that. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. I'm going to stop right there. Part of our joy 
comes from knowing. Come on. I can stay right there for a while. Joy comes from knowing who we are in Christ Jesus. I have overcome because he has overcome. I, I have joy because he tells me in his word, all things work together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Whatever comes into my life, he has allowed it. I'm going to talk about that when we talk about God is in control. Oh, that's a good one. But when God begins to move in our life, he brings joy. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into the gates, into his gates with thanksgiving. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's good. No, no, you didn't say it like that. Say, he's good. <laughs> you know, people say, oh, he's good. And they don't even smile when they say it. He's good. <laughs> he's a good God. He has his best for you. You're his child. How many of you have children here today? How many of you like to give them good things? How many of you like to whip your kids? God doesn't like to whip his kids either. Come on now. No, you don't. You didn't like to whip your kids. She always made me whip them. God's no different. He loves his kids. He wants to bring us joy and gladness. But it's all about the heart. What happens to children whenever they get backed up? They need to go to the bathroom. Your little ones, they get grumpy, don't they? They get irritable. (laughs) They just need to be cleaned out. And then they get happy again. Sometimes God's people get so full of stuff. They need a Holy Ghost clean out. Come on. We love our kids. We want to bless our kids. I want to give my kids what I didn't have. Come on. God wants to bless you and give you what you have never had. He wants you to be happy. And it comes as we have a change of heart. And as we get in his presence, he's a good God. And he wants to bless us. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Do you like to hang around people that are always sad? Do you like to hang around people that are always negative? God doesn't either. I'm serious. He's provided every provision for us. Everything that we need to be filled with his joy and his his strength. And every time we gripe and complain. Lord just kind of backs off. You know. But he keeps nudging us. Come on. 
just like any father would. Times I have to go to my daughter and hug her and say, come on, baby, it's all right. Come on, I'll tickle her. I'll make her laugh. I will. I'll say, come on, smile a little bit. I don't want to smile. Come on now, you kids, smile. <laughs> Have you ever done that to your kids? Sure. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to go there. Psalm 16, 8 through 11. I've set the Lord always before me. Practicing his presence. He's always before me. Because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoiceth. My flesh also shall rest in hope. There's something about whenever you keep the Lord before you every day, there's hope. Come on now. Every time we come before the Lord and we're always in his presence, there's that blessed hope. There's that, that understanding he's going to help us do what needs to be done whenever we can't help ourselves. Practicing who he is and practicing his presence. He's our blessed hope. He's always there. For thou wilt never leave my soul in hell, neither will thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Something happens whenever we begin to worship him on a daily basis. Nothing seems to be so bad. I'm just telling you, I don't care what it is. It doesn't seem quite so bad whenever we have set a pattern of worship in our daily life. Because he's our blessed hope. There's something that stirs on the inside of us. It's called faith. That's what he's talking about in this passage. Something happens whenever I worship you on a daily basis. The God of hope fills us with all joy and peace and believing. That we may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I love that passage. Because here's what happens whenever you begin to worship. And you begin to speak the name of Jesus. The Holy Ghost always comes around to see who you're talking about. Always. And as we worship. As we said yesterday. The Lord comes and he empowers us. The atmosphere changes as we begin to worship. He inhabits the praises of his people. Who is he? God in the earth. Who is that? Holy Spirit. So whenever you take the time to worship, you're opening the door for the Holy Spirit to come into your life. Afresh every day. To come and bathe you in his presence. Something happens. When we begin to practice and set those things in order every day of our life. Nehemiah said this in chapter 8 and verse 10. He said, then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. What happens when you begin to worship? God fills you up and you have more than you need. 
Not just enough, but you have more than you need. You can just begin to worship and the Holy Spirit comes and he begins to pour out. Edifying one another. That word edifying means to pour out onto somebody else. To encourage somebody else. So as I'm worshiping the Lord, I'm like a teapot. I just tilt this way and I pour on the guy next to me over here. And I lean this way and I pour out on the lady next to me on this side. There's more than enough. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's more than enough. More than enough. Some of us act like we got to have all we need because there ain't enough. It's like running to the, to the mess hall. I want to be first in line because there may not be enough. But we really rush to him because we're hungry for his presence. But as we worship him, there's more than enough. There's more joy. You know, sometimes you get in meetings, there's just a little dabble of joy here, a little dabble of joy there. But what if this place was saturated with joy? More than enough. What do the people outside the walls of our church need? They need joy. They need a a true joy. Have you ever sat at the mall and watched the people go by you or at the airport? How many people are smiling? How many? Very few. And if you make eye contact and go... They go, look at you like an idiot. No, they do. They think, oh, he wants something. No. Ah. I love to smile at people. Just watch their reaction. Sometimes they'll smile at you back. Texas, they'll smile at you back sometimes, you know. But some places, New York. You get in New York City at the airport, they're not going to smile at you for nothing. 9-11. At the airport, everything's real serious. Maybe it's because some of them can't speak English. Maybe so. But most of it is they're just angry. They're not happy. Something about getting God's presence, all the joy comes. Because the heart changes. Come on. Gives us compassion for one another and a love for his presence. Ha ha ha. Eat the fat and drink the sweet and send portions. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now we'll forget we went to First Baptist Church, Mahaya, Texas. It's spelled M-E-X-I-A, Mexia, but we call it Mahaya. And on the doors of the church, walking into the church, it said, Quiet reverence is essential, is essential to worship. And I went, who wrote that? (laughs) Evidently, somebody that was mad. It wasn't they didn't have an understanding. They were just flat mad. Quiet reverence is essential to worship. Which Bible are they reading? You know, a solemn assembly. That word solemn. 
People today, they took that word. What do most of us think about when you see solemn? Give me an illustration of solemn. You know what that word solemn means in this connotation? Party. Now that's just like the devil. Take a party, a word that meant party, celebration, and make it solemn. In the world, it would be a party with all kinds of alcohol and... And all of a sudden, when does a party end in the world? When the alcohol runs out. Hello? I didn't grow up in the world, but I know that much. What happens in the church? When the joy leaves, boy, you got a dead place. So what does the devil want to do? He wants to take the name, change the connotation from celebration to some dead place. So he's going to have some idiot right on the front doors of the church. Before you ever walk in, we're going to change your attitude. Quiet reverence. That means you can't say nothing. It's essential. You better not say nothing to worship. So what do we do? We set up the sound system, all the lights, and we boom. We never went back. But we had our shot. No, we did. We spent a week there. Had a great time by the end of the week. But that's what the world does. They just change the, what God really meant. They just take the life out of it. You know, leave, leave some dead religion. Just suck the life slap out of it. People don't want to go to church today. Why? Because there's no life. Will you bring praise and celebration into the house of God? They have a good time. At least it's fun for an hour. No, I'm serious. Did you know because there's been the lack of joy in the house of God, most people truly don't know how to worship. They don't mind going to a football game, painting their face. Half silver, half blue, no problem. Or green and blue. Cowboys are silver and blue. They don't have any problem with that. They don't think twice about it. But carry that spirit, that joy, into the house of God. And we're irreverent. Come on. But if you get back to Bible, to the spirit of the presence of God and celebrating His presence and practicing His presence. There was always joy and gladness in the house of God. Why? His presence was there. It was the, it was the power to break through. The change of heart. Once you've come to that place of breakthrough, do you want to go back? I don't. I thank God for weeks like this, three or four days in his presence. But I don't want to have a great time and then go back to the same way I used to live. I don't want to do that. The ground that I have taken, I want to stay there and I want to move forward. I've got another mountain I've got to climb. I've got another breakthrough, a place of breakthrough I want to go to. Come on now. I don't want to go back to where I used to live.
What are you saying? It's a place where we abide. It's not a place we visit. Well, the only time we can have joy is in a meeting. Some pastor, some evangelist comes and, oh, get a little bit of joy. No, you should have joy every day. Turn your name and say every day. Every day. What do you mean? Stirring up the gift of God. What happens when we practice his presence? We learn to live. We learn how to draw on that anointing on a daily basis. It becomes a lifestyle. How many of you have ever been on a diet? I have. I do good for a while. Lose down to where I want to lose. But guess what? I don't make it a lifestyle. So what I do... I'll go back to eating what I used to love to eat, and what happens? That spare tire just jumps right back out there. But if I had made the way that I was enjoying this diet over here, I had made it my lifestyle, hello, then I wouldn't have to worry about my weight. If I had done... That exercise program that I got into, the doctor said I needed to do to lose the weight and eat the right way and do all these things. If I'd made that my lifestyle, I wouldn't have to worry about it. My health would be better. Come on. But what do we do? We go on this roller coaster. 220, 190, 210, 200, 220, 210. 220, 215. Don't we? Anybody ever been like that? Sure we have. Why? It's not a lifestyle. Well, maybe that's the lifestyle. Roller coaster. So we come and we press into the things of God and we enjoy His presence. We get all close to Him and God begins to change us and begins to move in our life. Things begin to happen. But we don't hold that ground. We allow stuff to come in and our heart gets hard again. And what happens? We find ourselves back on the other side of the wall. Wondering what happened. That's what David said. Lord created me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew or restore a right spirit within me. What are we saying? Third part of this message. To consistently... Be that worshiper God has ordained us to be. It has to be a lifestyle. And that really necessitates an abiding. I don't want to come into his presence, walk out of his presence. I want to live in his presence. I want to live there. I want to live there. I want to live there. You and I have an advantage over what David experienced. Because of the new birth. Because we are new covenant people. Because Jesus Christ has come to the cross. Gave his life, raised from the dead, sitting at the right hand of the Father. He said, I'm going away that the comforter might come. David felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, talked about it. But the Holy Spirit didn't live in his heart like he does in our heart. He had to go to the temple and worship God there. We are the temple, the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. 
We are carriers. You're a Holy Ghost virus. Come on. You're a Holy Ghost virus. You're a carrier of the presence of God. Everywhere you go, all authority, all power goes with you. If you need to lay hands on friends, if you need to speak a word over friends, that authority and that power is there. What would hinder us from doing those things? Huh? It's not really hard. It's not the power not being there. It's not the authority. It's a mindset. Because where there's sin and where we have not been practicing his presence, then we don't feel adequate. What does he say in other passages in the New Testament? Do not lose your confidence. Come on. What happens to any athlete whenever they haven't been practicing or they haven't been preparing? What happens? They lose their confidence. Sometimes winning and losing isn't really about the ability. Sometimes it's just the heart to fight through the pain, to break through the wall, and catch your second win. When we're abiding, when we're living in the glory realms of God on a daily basis, I don't know, there's something about the Spirit of God. It's a lot easier just to say, not a problem, get out. There's something about that boldness. Hey, let me put it another way. Is it a whole lot easier for a team that's been winning to step into the next game than it is for a team that just lost two in a row? That's the only way I can equate it. They're both very powerful teams. Probably, man to man, they're probably the same. What's the difference? little confidence. What happens to the believer? Well, we get a few attacks in our body or in our life. We come into the house of God on Sunday morning. You can pretty well tell who's had a good week. (laughs) To be real honest, you can just look across the crowd and tell who's had a good week. You know, most of them are going, hey, I had a great week, man. And then you look at others and go, man, it was a bad week. (laughs) You know, you pretty well see it on their face. But what I've tried to practice in my life, to be real honest, because when you stand up here and you face the crowd on Sunday morning and you go, oh, Jesus. (laughs) We got to raise the dead today. You know what I could do? I could act just like the people. (sighs) Our God is an awesome God. He reigns. From heaven above. Well, what do we do? Come on it, everybody. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand our feet. Turn your name and say, it's a good day.
Smile real big. Put your hands together and shout hallelujah. And and the guy that was standing there didn't want to he's going, hallelujah. If nothing else, out of self-defense. But when you're abiding in his presence, it just flows out of you. It's a part of who you are. Praise is not what we do. It's who we are. I am the praise of his glory. I am the praise of his glory. If someone has to look at me and say, this is the example of my people. <laughs> Put a frown on your face. This is the praise of my people. Who's going to follow this? <laughs> See, he can't even be serious. <laughs> That's a good man. He's the praise of God's glory. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. It's who we are. It's not what we do. A lot of people look at praise and worship as something you do. It's not something we do. It's who we are. I cannot be quiet. One way or another, I'm going to praise him. People are going to know I love him. Why? Because I abide in his presence every day. It's who I am. I don't have to put on this face. You catch me anytime, day or night, it's who I am. Down the way here, walking around, I'll be singing, I'll be whistling, I'll be singing, I'll be doing something. Because I can't be quiet. Why? Because that's what I do, it's what I get paid for. No, it's who I am. It's who I am. Because there was a time in my life, back in 1990 to 1994, well actually from 85 to 89, whenever I didn't get paid for it. And I had to make a choice. 1985, our family quit traveling. And I went to work for a man who was a construction worker. Now, I had never done anything in construction. Didn't know how to put the tool belt on. Didn't know what the tools were I was wearing. The first day on the job, I shot my boss in the hand with a nail gun. Did. Fact, he didn't fire me. As a matter of fact, he gave me a pair of pliers and said, pull it out. <laughs> fact. Fact. But in four years' time, I became a finished carpenter. I built cabinets. I did all the finish work in the houses, all the trim work, all the crown molding, shoe molding, all that kind of stuff around the doors. Cabinets, we built them from scratch. I learned how to do it. I knew it wasn't my job forever, but if I was going to have to do it for a living for a season, I was going to do the best job I could. I found out cabinet makers made a lot more money than framers did. But God began to show me, what are you going to do out here on the job? Are you going to gripe at me? 
Are you going to mouth at me? Because this is where you are and you're not over here doing this? My boss was a drunk. And he could make it about a half a day. And then the gin and tonic took over. Carried it to work with him. But one day his boy came to live with him. 13-year-old son. And he began to come to my church where my dad was pastoring. And his boy got saved. And when we were baptizing that 13-year-old boy, Roy was standing on the outside of the pool watching my father baptize his son. And I'd been working for him for about two years. And he would ask questions every now and then. What would you used to do? Well, this is what we did. What kind of music was that? Well, I can't really explain it, but it was with all the instruments. Kind of like country music, but a little bit different. But, you know, I couldn't explain it. But we'd go into churches and carry the song of the Lord and the power of God into churches. And we would do meetings around music. And my dad would preach. and People get saved. When his boy got saved that day, my dad was baptizing him. The boy climbed out of the water. My dad said, maybe there are others of you standing around this pool today. That you'd like to do what this young boy has done. Give his heart to Christ. And as a testimony of receiving Christ, come and bury the past. And be raised to walk in the newness of life. And I saw that man that I'd worked for for two years. Take off his cowboy boots, roll up his cowboy shirt, take the cigarettes out of his pocket. (laughs) He did. And he climbed in the pool. My dad baptized him. Changed his life. You see, if I'd got mad at God, and I'd have gone on that job, and I'd acted just like all the rest of the guys did, smoking my cigars and drinking my beer and doing everything else everybody else did, I'd have never touched that man. But what I did was, is I carried the presence of God, who I was. You see, I could do it on a platform. And I'd seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people get saved as I gave my testimony and our family sang. But God made me walk it out daily for about four years. And that day when that man went in that water, I knew why God had allowed me to go back and do that. You know why? He wanted to find out if that was just something I did or was that who I was. I had learned to abide in his presence. And it didn't matter where he put me. That's who I was. There's an abiding in his presence. Psalm 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. Psalm 34, 1 says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 140.13 says, Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. Ephesians 3.19, this is my last one. That you may really come to know 
practically, through experience, for yourself, the love that Christ has, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. Let me tell you something. I have some brother-in-laws that have worked in the oil industry, in the oil field. They now have sons that have gone to college and are engineers, chemical engineers. But guess who they call when they have a problem? The son with the degree or the father with nearly 40 years, 45 years in the oil field? Which one do they call? The father. You know why? He has the practical experience to go in there and quickly find what needs to be done. You can have all the book knowledge in the world, but without practical experience, it ain't going to do you any good. You know why they call this man on the front row to come and do the surgeries for them? He's the best. You know why I know? I know personally. Because he worked on my father. When a doctor said, we're going to put two metal spikes in your back to fix this. My dad said, I think I'll get a second opinion. And Dr. Lau looked at the x-rays and he said, oh, no. We're not going to do that. We're going to do this little bit here and a little bit here. My dad walked out of that hospital two days later. No pain. And no metal spikes either. My daughter-in-law had a assist on her, what is that, pituitary gland. And we had had some different doctors look at it. But Dr. Lau looked at it and he said, we'll do this and this and this. And she walked out of there perfectly whole. I know, personally. It's not just a man who has some head knowledge. But he has the experience to back it up. He's the best. Let me tell you, listen to me. The world doesn't want a people. They don't want to come to people that say they love God. And say they know God. But when it comes to the practical application, we don't even know which scripture to speak. Or whenever we come and they say, I'm sick in my body, you go, well, go get, take a pill. But they have the authority to come and say, in Jesus' name, behold it. The pain leaves. That's what we're talking about. When we abide in his presence, we have everything we need at that moment. I don't have to go find a preacher. I don't have to go call somebody, oh, please pray. That's good, but I don't have to because I know that I abide in his presence. Wherever I am, he's there. Father, I thank you for your power. In Jesus' name. One last story and I'll quit. My dad and our family was traveling. This was before we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Good old Baptist kids. We're ministering in First Baptist Church 
uh, La Mesa, Texas, I think, or Andrews, Texas, out in the oil fields of, of West Texas. Baptist church, a little lady walks up. This is what I'm talking about. Our family had sung about the things of God, and we'd walked in the things of God not knowing what we had. People had told us, oh, you can't do that. That passed away with the last apostle. You can't do that. I was healed at 18. They said, you can't be healed. I am. But you can't. A lady walks up to my dad. She had a brand new baby, three or four weeks old. She looked at my dad and she said, my baby's dying. Oh, somebody else come pray. No, my dad didn't do that. She said, my baby's dying. They said, she's got a blood situation. There's no cure. My baby's going to die. My dad said, I need some oil, please. They didn't have any oil. They went to the 7-Eleven next door, brought him some three-in-one oil. Now, I'm serious. Machine oil, you know, little thing. Machine oil. Wasn't even, wasn't even olive oil. Machine oil. This is, this is the truth. And my dad looked at it and he said, okay. I had another pastor one time. We were in his house and someone wanted prayer. All he had was wintergreen oil. I'm serious. He rubbed it on his head. They went, ow! Started burning on the forehead. They had a big old red spot on their forehead. Wintergreen oil. Don't get wintergreen oil. Kind of like peppermint oil, it will burn. But anyway, so he had some, that's really true. Three in one oil. He rubbed it on his hands. He laid it on that little baby and he said, Father, touch this baby. Touch her blood. Father, I ask you to heal her in Jesus' name. We left town. Three weeks later, the pastor called of this Baptist church. He said, Preacher, you ain't going to believe this. That's what he said. My dad said, well, what? He said, you know that baby you prayed for? Dad said, yeah. She's totally whole. The blood situation totally reversed. Baby's totally whole. The reason I say that is this. Whenever you abide in his presence, it's not we got to go to church to get a healing. We don't have to call Pastor Lau or Pastor Da or Pastor Noom or somebody else. I carry his presence. I've been practicing his presence. Everywhere I go, he goes. Whatever I need at that moment, he's there. It changes your life. Changes your life. It would be like getting in a race, lining up at the starting line with all of these world-class athletes. And... I think I'm going to run with them. I can wear all the cool stuff. I'd make it about 150 yards. 200, maybe. And then I would pass out. Why? I didn't practice, I didn't prepare. God's people sometimes are like that. But we look like we got it all together. We carry a big Bible. We get on the starting line. And the first time an attack comes, we out of the race. Why? We haven't been practicing. We haven't been preparing. The trial comes. It's over. Don't even know what to say. Don't know what to speak. First time a devil... Speaks up, 
says something, we just quit. God's boys did the same thing. The disciples did the same thing. God showed up with the devil. His son had a devil. Nothing happened. Jesus looked at him and said, oh, you have unbelief. Can't believe this. If you just had the faith of the grain of a mustard seed, you could have told this mountain to be removed. And it would have gone to the sea. Just a little stick demon. Wasn't a mountain of dirt. Just a devil. One devil. Don't allow the enemy to intimidate you. Because you carry his authority and his power. Have your heart clean. Carry his joy. When you walk in the room, light it up with your smile. Change the atmosphere of that room with your smile. And not only that, carry his presence. Abide in his glory so that wherever you are, you change the atmosphere right then. If you need to lay hands on the sick, do it. Cast out a devil, do it. Whatever needs to be done. Father, we thank you for this time together. We give you praise. Right where you sit right now. All you have to do is say, Father, I yield my life to you. I open up every door of my heart. I leave nothing hidden. Fill it up with your glory. Father, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Begin to use those those muscles to smile. Begin to bless others with that beautiful smile that you have. Let the joy of the Lord flow forth. And as we live and abide in His presence, let that authority, that power, that glory of God begin to arise. And watch what God does. Watch what He does through your life. Amen? Father, thank You for this time together. We give You praise and we give You honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Lau.